Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Today we're joined by Tim Graham of the Athletic. Tim has written for the ES Tim has written for ESPN.com, the Buffalo News, and for the Palm Beach Post, among others. Now he's with the Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at by Tim Graham. Tim, let's get right into it. My first question for you. Are the good people of Buffalo shaking in their collective shoes with a looming arrival Monday night of future Hall of Famer Mac Jones? <laughs> no, uh, but uh, the guy who coaches them, uh, I think, is more than enough to give them angst and uh, flashbacks uh, from their PTSD uh, in the not too distant past uh, regarding, uh, I guess, uh, all of all of your woes and heartbreak and frustration and pissed offedness uh, <laughs> as a Bills fan can be channeled uh right there into that hoodie. <laughs> I am curious and I don't want to have you speak for for a fan base but but the tone there I'm fascinated by what the Patriots might be walking into because I know for so many years there was a feeling of that dread attached to the idea of facing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and to me some of that feeling sort of ended in the December Monday night game in Foxborough last year when the Bills shellacked the Patriots. Is that still there? What's the general tone that you're picking up on? No, I, I think it, it is the future. It's the fact that uh, it's a dread of they figured it out already. We were supposed mm -hmm. to have our window here with Josh Allen being the best quarterback in the AFC East, which he still is, but uh, that Tom Brady's gone, ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, there were some struggles last year. Uh, Cam Newton uh, gave uh, the Bills fans uh, a pretty good reason to point their fingers at the Patriots and laugh mm -hmm. uh, at times. And, and now here's this rookie shrug, so what? It's going to take him time to figure things out. Um, and I'd even mentioned it uh, in, on my podcast and in my coverage at The Athletic that I think it was going to be problematic for the Bills uh, that they get the Patriots uh, twice in December and that you'd probably want that rookie quarterback early because once he does figure it out, if he's good, mm -hmm. of course, I'm not, I didn't have a crystal ball and think that Mac Jones was, was going to be what he's, what he's shown already. But the theory being is that once Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick and, and the system of the Patriots and, and everything else uh, start to fall into place for a quarterback like Mac Jones, he's going to be tougher to beat later in the season, of course, than earlier when he's still trying to figure out, uh, you know, which, which way he's supposed to go down to the tunnel to get to the game field. Um, but yeah, he seems to have figured things out. And now here that window that Bill's fans were hoping for um, may have been imaginary. Uh, that the that the Patriots are in first place again uh, before December, and they look good, and they haven't had their buy yet, and and let's not also uh, forget uh, that uh, after this game on Monday night, six days later, the Bills, while the Patriots are enjoying their week off, by the way, get to go down to Tampa and face old friend Tom Brady. Uh, so it's like the double whammy three of the next four games are against Brady or Belichick and you're a game out of first place. 
it's like a man, here we go again type scenario for Bills fans. Let's let's shift back to the game here a little bit on the field. If you're Bill Belichick and you're looking at the Bills offense right now, what is your number one priority? I saw that you wrote a piece today uh, as we sit here on Tuesday about Dawson Knox. I have to imagine Diggs is probably at the top of the list, but Knox is probably also not too far removed. Well, the headline is a little tongue in cheek. Uh, the The headline on today's story is Dox, Dawson Knox already the greatest uh, Bills tight end ever uh, or something along those lines. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, but it goes to show you it's, it's more of an analysis uh, mm-hmm. of the Bills really poor history at tight end. Uh, and Patriots fans can always chuckle that uh, in 2010, 41st overall, uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, selected a defensive lineman named Terrell Troop, and there's a reason you don't remember that name. And with the very next pick, the New England Patriots took a kid from suburban Buffalo named Rob Gronkowski. Uh, so the Bills' uh, history at tight end of, of when they have drafted somebody high didn't work out. Uh, their free agents haven't worked out, but anyway, Dawson Knox is having a fine season. He does uh, already have the bills record for most touchdown receptions by a tight end uh, in a season. And he missed two games and mm-hmm. there's still what six left. Uh, and so, yes, he is, has turned into a, a dangerous outlet weapon for, uh, uh, for Josh Allen. He has the seven touchdowns, uh, same number as Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs has not been uh, as productive as he was last season because Emmanuel Sanders is around. Now, here's a guy who's 34 years old. Um, You weren't sure what he was going to offer beyond leadership and that type of stuff when the Bills signed him uh, really to replace John Brown, who who was just too uh, unreliable from an injury standpoint. They had to let him go. So they bring in Emmanuel Sanders as that veteran presence who can still contribute, but uh, he has been uh, a mainstay on that Bills offense, 559 yards receiving. Uh, He has four touchdowns. Again, he's not Stephon Diggs, but he has been so valuable to have when teams really try to game plan Stephon Diggs uh, out of of Sunday afternoon. Emmanuel Sanders has come up big on more than one occasion. Uh, So they're able to spread the ball around. Uh, The weaknesses really are uh, in the backfield uh, and on the offensive line. And we're going to learn more about uh, where the offensive line stands uh, later on uh, on uh, Tuesday. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been uh, a rather dangerous set of receivers and tight ends uh, for Josh Allen. They, they, they remain that way as long as he's not scared and running for his I, life and, uh, uh, and making mistakes. I'm fascinated by the Buffalo running game, and I'm glad you bring this up, and I'm not quite sure how to phrase it, but what's going on there? It feels like it exists to do just enough to keep opposing defenses honest. Not even that, Chris. Um, Their best running back is Josh Allen, and that's a problem because, uh, you know, Devin Singletary does lead the team in rushing. He's got 459 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but the number two running back that uh, that they've tried to get into a better rhythm is Zach Moss. He was a healthy scratch Thanksgiving night in New Orleans. Uh, Singletary has uh, has uh, security issues. Uh, he fumbles quite a bit. Um, and really, the guy who's maybe emerged as the most um, steady 
uh, of, of that group is Matt Breda. And he was a healthy scratch for most of the season. He's only played five games, but he has the speed uh, still uh, that you remember from probably picking him up off your fantasy waiver wire within the last two or three seasons. But Matt Breda is a name that you, you're, you may be like, yeah, I think I remember that guy, right? He's, he's, he can do some things. And he came off of the sideline and essentially has, uh, has been a little bit of a, a catalyst for the offense. He forces uh, defensive players, namely linebackers, to go sideline to sideline. He's a threat in the screen game. Um, so, yeah, he's he's been a little bit of an infusion, but still not the kind of guy that is that should uh, that should make Bill Belichick sweat. Um, the fact that they haven't been able to get a running game on track uh, it has been one of Brian Dable's uh, biggest. Um, biggest problem so far and in, in what's uh what a lot of people assumed would be a, a picky up or pick up where you left off last year type offense it, it is interesting because you see the struggles at least when it comes to consistency maybe in the running game and then you see the offense doing what it's doing and it's I, I think it's even more of a tribute to Josh Allen and you know the receivers that you mentioned to to be able to continue to come up with the offensive performances like we've seen, like especially like we saw on Thanksgiving night. It, in, how much of that goes back to Josh Allen? How much of that goes back to guys like Diggs? How much of that goes back to Sanders and, and maybe ultimately to, to a guy like Brian Dable? The biggest problem has been the offensive line and the injuries slash COVID issues that uh, have been uh, plaguing them over the last uh, month and a half. Uh, and this is, has been a very interesting development with the Bills this year. Uh, they have a, a third round rookie, Spencer Long, playing right tackle, and he's been pretty good. I mean, he, we're not talking about a pro bowler, uh, let alone a, an all pro or a future Hall of Famer. But when he's not in the lineup, the whole rest of the line has to get jumbled around. Uh, Daryl Williams played right tackle last year. He was moved into right guard. Uh, and so when Spencer Long can't play, uh, which has been the case either because of injury or he's, uh, he's been on the COVID list for the last couple of games. Um, they move Daryl Williams back out to right tackle. And it is though he has forgotten how to play the position. He was good last year and he was a quality offensive lineman on a team that reached the AFC championship game, but he seems lost uh, when he slides back out to right tackle. And then that the player that they insert at right guard uh, is Cody Ford, who was a high round draft pick uh, just a couple of years ago and seems as though he doesn't belong in the NFL at times. Uh, so he's been a, a really big disappointment in their inability to uh, develop him in any meaningful way. So this the right side of that line collapses. Now let's go over to the left side. John Feliciano, who is a very good and aggressive and maybe their most physical offensive lineman. He's, been, he's the left guard, but he's been out uh, with an injury. He may come back this week. In fact, I'd expect it. And then the Pro Bowl left tackle, Deion Dawkins, just a, a bit of a mystery. Um, well, or maybe not a mystery. He missed significant time in training camp because he uh, contracted COVID. He talked about it. He lost a lot of weight. A lot of people are wondering if he has still some lingering effects uh, because he has not played well at all. And this is a guy who was a captain last year. Uh, and I, I think this is telling and nobody, nobody talks about it, but he was not voted by his teammates to be a captain again this year. Uh, the bills have three captains on special teams, three captains on defense. Uh, 
only two on offense. And one of them used to be Deion Dawkins, but not this year. So the, the, there was a vacancy and uh, he didn't fill it. So uh, there's all kinds of suspicion regarding Deion Dawkins and his, uh, his ability to, or his wherewithal, maybe even his willingness uh, to, to be the best that he can be. Uh, and I'm not uh, casting all the dispersions, but th that's what the talk is right now. Uh, and he's playing uh, poorly. So all kinds of ways for Bill Belichick, I think, to attack uh, that offensive line. Uh, Josh Allen at times, well, he's thrown a bunch of interceptions the last uh, three mm -hmm. games. And I think that stems directly from the offensive line's play. He's Sorry, Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts, uh, I think at times. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been problematic. And some of these interceptions that he's throwing, yes, there was a tip. Uh, he threw his first red zone interception of his career, which is amazing to me, uh, in uh, Thursday night in New Orleans. And it was a tip ball, or I'm sorry, his hand was hit um, when he threw and, and the ball fluttered. Um, but he's also had really bad interceptions too, where he's just, he makes the throw right to the defensive back. Uh, the, the receiver is obviously covered long before he throws it, but he throws it anyway. Um, so, but again, I, to reiterate and, and probably ramble on a little too much, uh, the offensive line has led to a lot of this. It's worth keeping an eye on come Monday night. I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball for Buffalo and it appears at least from the outside, the Bills match up very well with what the Patriots do well, which is they're really good in play action. They're really good in short passes. Buffalo doesn't miss many tackles. They get good depth over the middle. Give me a preview in terms of the matchup that you're anticipating when it comes to the Bills defense against the New England offense. Well, the Patriots have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, if not the best. And when the Bills go up against a really good offensive line and a sustainable rushing attack, they have gotten their doors blown off. Uh, it happened against the Indianapolis Colts. It happened against the Tennessee Titans. Now, uh, I don't think you look at the Patriots roster and, and can see a Jonathan Taylor or a Derrick Henry on there. Uh, but as we've seen over the years, that the, whatever Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick decide to do with their, with their running backs, I don't know if they pick names out of a hat or what, but they're like, all right, today is your day. Uh, but uh, that compliment that they do have, they seem that they're they seem to be able to identify, you know, the right guy against that defense. And uh, you know, you think, you know, all of the guys uh, over the years who've had big games against the Bills. I wish I had the list in front of me, but it, the number of guys who you didn't, if you'd never heard of, uh, who played for the Patriots and all of a sudden had a uh, you know 150 yards rushing. Brandon Bolden. Brandon right. Bolden's the big Brandon Bolden's the best one of all, I think. So that is that's absolutely true. But I think there's about seven or eight of them, yeah. you know, over yeah. the last 10 years. It's it's crazy. Uh, my friend Jerry Sullivan, formerly of the Buffalo News, did a whole column on it. And it's it's you you're laughing by paragraph six, uh, <laughs> just at how ridiculous it is. Uh, anyways, um yeah, I think that the Patriots game plan should be to run the ball to force uh, the Bills to uh, prove that they can stop it. Um, I would expect Starla Tulele to be a back. Now, he's a player who has been a bit of a head scratcher. He has Bills fans uh, frustrated in that uh, he opted out last year for COVID, uh, but then came back this year uh, and didn't get vaccinated. And there's su supposedly an underlying health issue. Uh, we haven't really been able to find that out, but he's their best run stopper. Uh, he probably will be back on Monday. 
he's also really good, uh, sneaky, uh, in, in this regard in, um, in, uh, in getting, um, a pass rush, uh, this year, which is something he hasn't, uh, you know, really been known for, but anyway, um, so being able to prove that they can stop the Patriots run game, I think is, is going to be paramount. Um, and that's just something that has been uh, the clear weakness of the Bills' defense. Now, we, I'm, when it comes to defending the pass, they're going to be without their all-pro uh, cornerback, Tredavious White. Uh, he suffered a non-contact knee injury on Thursday night. He's done for the season. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that. Uh, he's clearly their best cover uh, defender. And while the Bills have great safeties in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, those are dangerous. Maybe, I, I think it's the best safety tandem in the NFL. Um, they're both captains. They're you know big leaders on the team. Uh, but Tredavious White uh, is one of those Jenga blocks that uh, you don't want to try to remove because then the whole thing might come toppling down. It, it's interesting, too, because you look at White and then you talk about the uh, you know, the issues that they've had in the offensive line. And a lot of it is, you know, the domino effect where, you know, you're, you're hoping and it, look, every team goes through this and I understand this, but it appears to be hitting the bills, at least from the outside, it appears to be hitting the bills at the worst possible time. Yeah. And the bills haven't really had a, they have a pass rush that can be effective at times, but it's not the type of pass rush that strikes a fear in the opposing quarterback, the exact opposite of how Josh Allen's been playing behind, you know, his patchwork offensive line. Uh, the Bills' leader in sacks is Mario Addison. He has four, mm -hmm. and your listeners right now are saying, "Who the hell is Mario Addison?" Uh, after that, it's a rookie, Greg Rousseau, who has been invisible for several weeks, uh, and then after that, it's that run stopper, Starla Tule, has two, and he's in third place. So you got guys like Jerry Hughes who just haven't had that production. So far this year in terms, and I know that sacks are one of those numbers that, yeah, they're nice. They're, they're not as important necessarily as hits or pressures or, you know, that type of thing. But, um, you know, Ed Oliver is probably their most effective pass rusher in the past few, uh, few weeks. And he has half a sack and he just got that on Thursday. Uh, he's been a guy who's been coming close and he will, um, he will get a quarterback off his mark. He will create something. Uh, but they just haven't been getting home. They haven't been getting those big plays that would lead to, you know, strip sacks and and those game-breaking type plays. Uh, yeah, they're forcing punts and, and they're using their pressure to be uh, somewhat disruptive, but it's it just hasn't been there for them like it has uh, in years past. Give me the name of one guy on the Buffalo roster on either side of the ball who we aren't necessarily talking about who has a chance to play a big role Monday night. Oh, boy. Um, I guess, you know, especially with, uh, Tredavious white being out, you know, a guy, you know, Taron Johnson has been uh, a nickel cornerback that, uh, a lot of guys, uh, rave about on the bills. He has had a pretty quiet season in a good way, uh, because he hasn't been giving up much. Um, he has the ability to, uh, rush, um, off the edge also he's been disruptive in that regard so that's a that's a name that that Patriots fans don't know uh, and that he's going to play obviously a much more important role with Tredavious White out so uh, he could be in the crosshairs a little bit maybe he takes on that more prominent role and gets picked on um, it'll be interesting to see exactly what uh, Sean McDermott does 
to, you know, uh, reconstitute uh, his cornerbacks. Uh, who who becomes that edge corner? As you know, does Taron Johnson maybe leave that nickel spot? Um, I would say probably not because he's been so reliable there. You don't want to uh, move him. But like you see with the offensive line, he's uh, Sean McDermott's not afraid to, you know, move four part four parts around to correct one. Uh, and sometimes that could be to a team's detriment. Um, on the off- Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to try to try to throw somebody at you on the offensive side. It, it would be Gabriel Davis, mm-hmm. uh, who is starting to warm up a little bit. He's a guy who, as a rookie last year, was surprisingly good, and he can play all the receiver positions. It didn't. They would rave about how, um, you know, he wouldn't even practice a certain position, and they could throw him out there on a given play, and he would know exactly what to do, what route to run, and he'd run it well. And so he's a guy that Bills fans, I thought, I, I well, I, I think imagined would be uh, who filled in for John Brown, maybe even more so than Emmanuel Sanders. And he hasn't been used a ton, uh, but he's been used more and more in the past few weeks. Uh, and he does have a couple of touchdowns. And he's also the type of guy, he's an incredible possession receiver along the sidelines. This guy makes some of the most eye-popping, toe-tapping, catches while being covered uh and i think that you know this has a, this guy has a chance to be a star he's this is only his second year in the nfl he's got a long way to go and especially on a team with stefan diggs you're, you're never going to be the necessarily the go-to guy but um but he's a guy who has been warming up in recent weeks in terms of how the bills are using him could emmanuel sanders be that guy for this game i know he's not necessarily an under the radar guy but a guy who could you know, theoretically test the depth of the Patriots secondary, a guy who's always had pretty good numbers against New England, uh, a guy who is seemingly, you know, a veteran who's built for bigger moments like this. He strikes me as one of those guys who has a chance to kind of maybe assert himself a little bit on Monday. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris, for all the reasons that I I mentioned earlier with Emmanuel Sanders. I I know he's up there in age and, and when the Bills signed him as a free agent, you're wondering how much he has left, but he has not missed a beat. He, he comes up with big catches every game. I'm, I'm not necessarily highlight real catches, but clutch first downs. Um, he has been, he would right from the bat. He was a go-to guy for Josh Allen. It's, it, it was almost like you, you were watching the first couple of games of the season and Emmanuel Sanders has been on the team for four years. Um, so uh, yeah, he, he's a guy that stretches the field. His yards per target is 9.2, which is pretty healthy, I think. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he absolutely could be that guy. Last question for me. Give me your favorite Mike Rodak story. All right. So poor Mike, <laughs> as I tell this story, I've, we've told it before. So I have, uh, he used to co-host with me a, a radio show here in Buffalo. And I went on a rant one time and he, I think we, he had something he had to write for ESPN. So he wasn't on mic yet. So he was in the studio and I think he was like finishing up a little work before he was to join me on the air. And I had gone on some kind of rant. I don't remember what about, but I mentioned Newt Rockney. And, uh, (laughs) and so I'm going on and on with my rant, going on and on with my rant and we're not at commercial yet. And he doesn't want to just join in the conversation because he hasn't been introduced yet. Uh, to into the show. Mm-hmm. And so rather than speak into the mic, 
he, I just see him out of the corner of my eye. He's just laughing hysterically. And so I'm still talking and I'm trying not to, you know, break my train of thought. And so I look at him to make eye contact as you do on the radio, you know, you, you know, all these unspoken things that you do in the business. And he takes his laptop and he turns it towards me to show me what he had just Googled. And he had to Google Newt Rockney, but he, but he, but he spelled it N E W T like Newt Gingrich. And he's laughing at himself self-deprecatingly. And he, first off, this guy covers the NFL for ESPN at the time. He didn't know who Newt Rockney was. The name, the name, the name had him puzzled and he, he spelled it wrong. And then he was like, oh, this guy happens to be maybe the, the, the name you drop when you're talking about the, you know, the greatest college football coach of all time. And, uh, I, <laughs> and we, we joke about, it, and Mike is self-deprecating enough and, and he's like, oh, so I, it's, that is my favorite he's uh, the best mike is he he's I don't the best. Know. <laughs> uh but he's a yeah he's uh he's a source of uh pleasure for me he's he's a lot of fun to be around he's a good man he is he's a good man tim graham thank you so much for doing this tell the people what else you have going on where can they read you hear from you tell them about tgaf let them know where they can hear you yeah, I have a podcast here in Buffalo called Tim Graham and Friends, uh, and uh, it's on YouTube. I tweet it out all the time, which is uh, at by Tim Graham. Um, been doing a lot of Bills stadium coverage, so I don't know if the fans in New England necessarily want to hear from me other than maybe twice a year. But uh, but I it, it, all 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 forms of uh, fandom are welcome uh, with me. I, I don't. I'm not a Bills. I'm not a huge Bills fan uh, appeaser. I'm not a panderer. So uh, I, I I will admit, uh, as someone who is even from Western New York and a Clevelander originally, who used to not like Bill Belichick at all, I can admit that he is the greatest coach of all time. I can admit that Tom Brady is the the greatest football player of all time, not just quarterback and and my favorite. Uh, I'm okay with all that stuff. Um, but um, that's not to say that the my readers here in Western New York necessarily agree with me. And by the looks of your Twitter bio, too, Howard Stern's a big fan. So you got points. You know, you got that going for you. He's a big fan of the fact that I've interviewed OJ Simpson. Beyond that, I'm sure he has no idea who I am. <laughs> Tim, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And hopefully we can hook it up again down the road. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.